the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's an honor. And we are live today back. Today is Friday, February the 19th, 2021, in the year of our Lord. Today on February 19th, 1942, during World War II, President Franklin D. Roosevelt, he signed an executive order. It's well known. It's kind of infamous now. It's Order 9066, 9066 that paved the way for the relocation and internment of people of Japanese ancestry, including U.S.-born citizens. Imperial Japanese warplanes raided the Australian city of Darwin today, as that was, was initiated by the president here in America. 243 people were killed in that raid in Australia. Truly, the world was in a world war by now in 1942. Today in 1807, former Vice President Aaron Burr, he was accused of treason. He was arrested in Mississippi Territory. He was held in trial, but that's Alabama today. He was acquitted at the trial. Today in 1878, Thomas Edison received a U.S. patent for an improvement. I'm quoting from the uh, his application. An improvement in phonographic or speaking machines. Well, they've been improved. Maybe too much so. Today, in 1945, Operation Detachment began during World War II. 30,000 Marines, U.S. Marines, they began landing on Iwo Jima. They commenced a successful month-long battle to seize control of the island from Japanese forces. Today, in 1968, the children's program, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. 1968, it was created by Fred Rogers, and of course, he was the star of it. It made its network debut on National Education TV. That's We call it PBS now. He was on for 31 years, started today in 1968. Today in 1976, President Gerald Ford, he called the issuing of the internment order that I just mentioned that Franklin D. Roosevelt signed. He called it a travesty. He said it was a sad day in American history. He signed a proclamation formally confirming its termination. Today in 2019, President Trump directed the Pentagon to develop plans for a new space force. And five years ago today, Harper Lee, the author, the author of To Kill a Mockingbird, she died in Monroeville, Alabama, at age 89. Interesting story behind her just very quickly here this morning. She was. Um, she only published two books, Nellie Harper Lee, that was her name. She was an American. And um, she's most famous for her book, the 1960 novel, To Kill a Mockingbird. It won a Pulitzer Prize, and it has become a classic of modern, of, you know, of modern American history, as you well know, I'm sure. But she only published two books. And usually when people only publish two books, they don't get that kind of recognition. She was awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom in 2007, I think it was, and um, for her contribution to literature with only having published two books. The interesting story behind that, I'll just very quickly, is that she was 
lauded by the, uh, her book, To Kill a Mockingbird. I, I don't, maybe you've read it or seen the movie, but it's a good book. I mean, it, it's great and, and it's well done and, and all. And the message is a message that we all probably need to hear. But the left loved that book just because of the nature of it. And I'm not going to take the time to get into all of that, but they loved that book. And, oh, they just worshipped her and they held her at high esteem and all all of that. But interestingly enough, her second book was one that had been held back even past her her death. And the book that came out that the public hadn't seen, and I can't remember the name of it, but anyway, a few years ago, the left didn't like the narrative, and they threw Harper Lee under the bus. They always do. They dispose of their own when their own is not performing up to their standard. She was famous, Harper Lee. She was famous for a couple of phrases, a number of them, but one of them you probably heard. Shoot all the Blue Jays you want if you can hit them. But remember, it's a sin to kill a mockingbird. One other quote that I I know she made that I wanted to leave with you on that note. She once said, the one thing that doesn't abide by majority rule is a person's conscience. Harper Lee, Alabama, 89 years old. It's good to be back. Boy, we were off the air for a live. We were on with some reruns for four days this week, Monday through yesterday. And uh, I missed you, and I missed being here. It was some unusual circumstances. I'm not going to get into all that. I don't want to take the time. Unless Tom Reed could give me an extra 45 minutes this morning. No, I'm, I'm kidding. But um, it, it, it was just an unusual electric thing. It blew up a master substation or I don't know, whatever, which knocked out other. It just took four days to get all the equipment in, the electrical, electric company, and get it all fixed. And uh, very, uh, very trying for me. And um, thank you for standing with us, and thank you for continuing your support. We run into these little bumps from time to time. If we pre-recorded our program and and put it out, I mean, we would not have these kinds of interruptions. But doing it live does give us interruptions. We don't have the redundancies that ABC and NBC and CBS have on their networks. But uh, I think our network and up radio stations, particularly Tom Reed and ACN, do a great job. And But we have a few hiccups. This time it was on my side, but I didn't create it. I, I would have fixed it had I known how, but I didn't know how. Probably would have been dead by now if I started working in in those substations. But anyway, we're back. Thank you so much for your interest, your support, and your prayers, and your your notes that you send to us. I, I, read, I read them all, and I appreciate your comments and of encouragement and your support. Uh, this is kind of a lonely – the media is a lonely, uh, lonely path, really – you think, well, you're talking to, you know, so many people. I mean, how many? We, I don't know. But on any program, whether it's a worldwide program or whether it's a smaller deal like this, you never know who you're talking to. And sometimes you feel very lonely and isolated. You think, man, is anybody listening out there? You know, but you are. And thank you so much. And thanks for your support. We need it. These are very challenging times in a lot of ways. And some of those ways I'll be talking about as we go forward. But it's just, a, I, I'm not complaining at all. I am just praise the Lord. But um, thank you for standing with us. Your prayers, your support, 
your regular monthly support. Sometimes we'll get a, a large check from someone who just felt in, impressed by the Lord to, to do so on a one-time or on a periodic basis. All of that adds up to our being able to be on the air every day, except when the electrical company fails. But for us to be here every day, and as I've so often said, and I mean this from my heart, and some of you quote this back to me, and in fact, Tom has quoted it back to me, uh, I wouldn't be here if it weren't for you. So thank you so much. And I mean that sincerely. And thanks for standing with us. Our address is Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Box 399, Bellevue, 98009. Or you can go to our website, faithandfreedom.us, faithandfreedom.us. And uh, you go to that, the first page that comes up, look at the top, and you'll see a tab, Donate. You can donate online. It'll prompt you, and it's it's easy to do. Even I can do it. I have done it, actually. We support, my wife and I support this ministry every month, and I've done so online a couple of times. Usually I, you know, just write a check, but nonetheless, whatever you'd like to do is, is deeply appreciated. Thank you, and God bless you. Well, you, as you know, by now, Rush Limbaugh passed away this week. And I wanted to just spend about just a couple of minutes talking about him, and then I want to move to something a little different. I want to talk about the religious left a little bit, their virtue signaling. And I want to talk about reparation. Should should America write checks to every black person in America because of our original sin, slavery? I want to talk to you about that from a Christian perspective and a biblical perspective because there is a committee now considering that, and President Joe Biden says he's interested. It may be something that we could do to alleviate ourselves from the anguish, from the anguish and the, the trauma that all of us suffer under because we had slavery in America. We have sinned. Now we must pay for it. And in the liberal mind, the progressive mind, the secular progressive mind, even if they claim to be religious, the only way we can do that is to write a lot of checks. I want to talk to you about that because I think it's getting traction, and I think we'll be looking at that even more so in the coming days and weeks because I don't know why except that the left wants more control over the people that they claim to be wanting to help. So we'll get back to that in a moment. But on yesterday on Hannity on Fox News, Rush Limbaugh's show producer, James Golden, over the years you've heard Limbaugh, if you listen to him at all, refer to Bo Snerdly. He'd say Bo Snerdly all the time. He talked about it. Well, he was a producer. His, his real name was James Golden. He was on with Sean Hannity yesterday. He talked a lot about uh, about Rush because he knew him so very personally and intimately. I mean, they'd worked together for years. And um, he told Sean, he said Limbaugh, Rush, was a second-generation founding father and uh, that's true. I hadn't heard anyone say it quite like that, but that would, that is kind of true in the sense of he really impacted Rush Limbaugh, whether you like him or not, and I think most conservatives do, but he really, he, he just impacted the media so much that he changed almost everything, particularly in radio. But Golden said yesterday, he said, we can't wrap our, our brains and our hearts around this, that our beloved Rush has returned his talent to God. And he said, we're still trying to deal with that. And Rush, of course, was famous. In fact, I'll tell you the first time I heard Rush Limbaugh's interesting experience. 
he was he said that that phrase he said with talent on loan from God and I thought who is this guy I'll come back to that in a moment but anyway Golden said that Rush has now returned his talent to God he said we're so thankful to him you know he said Rush is, was to me a second generation founding father he said this went beyond radio this went beyond politics what Rush did for America he said one man changed so many trajectories in this he said in this country. With Rush, when Rush began his career, there were 1,200 radio stations roughly talk, doing the talk radio format. He said today there are over 12,000 stations doing talk format. He said the number of print conservative publications were very few then. Today, he said they're flourishing. He said Fox News didn't exist when Rush started. He said there was nowhere on TV that you could get conservative ideology, that you could get the values that represent what most Americans believe until Rush, he changed the media, Bo Snerdley said, James Golden. He said he changed the landscape. His radio show grew for over 50 years. He said this is unheard of. Golden was the producer of that program, as I said. He said it went beyond all of those accomplishments. He said Rush Limbaugh was one of the finest human beings that you would ever want to meet. A generous, wonderful, beautiful spirit, humble, a gentleman, always. He said he never failed to thank people for the smallest service that they could do for him. He never looked down on people, Golden said. He said, it burns me to my soul when people sully his reputation with falsehoods, calling him a racist. Golden, Bo Snerdley, is a black man. Worked beside Rush for decades as his producer. That's a pretty close relationship. He said he was not a racist. He said he was all of the above, generous. He said this man was an incredible phenomenon. We love you, Rush. God bless you. The left always uses racism. They did against Rush Limbaugh. They, for years, they called him a racist, causing many people to believe he was. All the while, working with his black producer, James Golden, putting out the Rush Limbaugh show three hours a day. David Limbaugh, somebody asked him the other day, do you believe Rush was right with God when he passed away? David Limbaugh, his brother, is a lawyer and an author, a devout Christian. Their family is a very devout Christian. Rush has had his ups and downs in his personal life. I think most of us know that. But somebody asked David Limbaugh, his brother, was Rush right with the Lord when he passed away? David Limbaugh said, of course, we wanted him to be. But he said, I spent hours with my brother before he passed away. And he said, I can tell you beyond assurance that Rush had accepted Jesus Christ as his personal Savior. God had forgiven him of his sins. And he is today, according to our biblical beliefs and evangelical beliefs, Rush is with the Lord. He said, I'll be writing about that in the days to come. And I'm sure that Brother David Limbaugh will be doing so. First time I heard Rush Limbaugh was, we were in the desert, Southern California. My wife and I had loaded up our kids. We always tried to kind of get away during spring break, go from kind of a rainy, sometimes snowy northwest here down to the desert. We were staying in a friend's condo there. They had given us a key to it. And we were spending um, the week of of, of um, spring break down there. Our kids were little. And um, I we got every morning I would drive over to this bagel place and get some bagels. And Marjorie and I liked bagels, and we still do. And so, anyway, I was over there, and I was just amazed. I've never forgotten this. I mean, put get the context. This was way back in the day. 
And uh, so I, I was fiddling with the radio trying to find local stations. We just gotten there and, and in back in town there in Palm Desert. And um, I was driving along and I was filling with the station. And I heard this guy was really animated. And he, and I thought, who is this? You know, and so I stopped. I got the radio keyed into that. And I started listening to him. What he was saying was things I agreed with. I mean, I thought, yeah, that's right. I, I agree with that. Well, I agree with that. And yet the way he was saying them, I thought, man, who is this guy? So anyway, I kept listening and, you know, on talent on loan from God and all this kind of stuff. And um, finally, I heard it was Rush Limbaugh. I'd never heard of him before. This was a long time ago, and he was on in Sacramento, I think. And so anyway, I, I started listening to him. I came home and I told Marjorie, I said, man, this guy, you won't believe him. He's on this station. I think it was out of Sacramento at the time. And um, I said, we got to listen to him. <laughs> so anyway, I started kind of listening to him and looking for him and the rest his history. That was my first exposure to Rush Limbaugh. And so many, many, many people have been affected by his life. He'll be missed, I'm sure, by most all conservatives. House Judiciary Subcommittee on the Constitution, Civil Rights, and Civil Liberties met Wednesday, day before yesterday. They, they met to discuss legislation regarding reparations for black Americans. Now that the Democrats hold the majority in the House and the Senate, and they will until midterm, which is not not quite two years from now, less than two years from now. But in this newly energized interest in paying blacks money to atone for slavery, an act of sincere virtue, they say, and another ploy, I say, to bait and switch the left. Is it mere virtue signaling, or are they sincere? Have they repented, and do they want to get their hearts right with slavery? I don't think so, but let's take a look at it. One on a personal note, I have spent much time, and again, this is not about me, but if, if you haven't listened to this program before, it, it, it's important to me to, to know that you know. I am, I, I am not prejudiced. I have spent years working, not totally, but in and out of, all over the world in missionary evangelism for a period of, of, a period of time in my life. I've, man, I've slept in their homes in Africa. We built churches. We built, we built a, a medical center there, a Christian-run medical center. We built churches all through, especially in Kenya, and one in Malawi, and, and different places in Mozambique, and, and so on. Just please understand where I'm coming from. And I know those of you who listen regularly, you do. I, I believe you do know where we're coming from. So this is not in any way racist. But it's principled. And I'm not going to be silent for fear of some, the fact that someone may misunderstand me. So if you misunderstand, I'm sorry, good luck. First introduced in 1989, the late Representative John Conyers, he passed away not so long ago, he came up with H.R. 40. It was reintroduced in January, just this past January, by Representative Sheila Jackson Lee, she has 162 Democrats on board with her uh, in the in the House, and of course Nancy would be Pelosi. The move toward legislation is getting traction, and that's why I wanted to mention it today. Biden says President Joe Biden says he's interested. He said we should move this forward. Two black witnesses spoke 
uh, to the committee on Wednesday, and I want to tell you what they said because they can say it better than I could, and I think it brings some clarity to this if anybody's confused about what's going on with this whole movement that, as I said, is starting to get some traction. Salem radio host Larry Elder and former NFL legend football player Herschel Walker, they spoke to the committee on Wednesday. The committee has said they want to attempt to pay penance for past sins, basically. Elder, he said black people, he is black, and of course Herschel Walker is black, well-known. Elder said black people have historically survived and thrived despite difficult circumstances of racism and slavery and Jim Crow. Elder said black people have overcome, I'm quoting him, overcome to the point now that 20% of black people are below the uh, the federally defined level of poverty. He said that's still too high, but he said in 1940 that number was 87%. And 20 years later, that number had been reduced to 47%, a drop in of 40% in 20 years. Elder said the greatest 20-year period of economic expansion for the history of black Americans. He said that all came, I'm quoting him again, that all came be before the Brown versus the Board of Education decision that came before the civil rights bills of 64 and 65. He said, despite race, racism and prejudice, black people overcame. He also noted that prior to President Obama being elected for two terms, a Gallup survey that asked Americans if they would vote for a black person for president also asked if they would vote for a woman, a Mormon, or someone in their 70s. He was referring to candidates at that time Obama, Barack Obama, candidate Hillary Clinton, candidate Mitt Romney, and candidate John McCain. They were all running for president at the time. Elder told the Democrats, who were wanting to begin writing checks of atonement, that the survey found that only 5% said they would, they would not vote for a black person because they were black. 11% wouldn't vote for a female, 24% wouldn't vote for a Mormon, and 42% were opposed to voting for a person as old <laughs> as John McCain would have been when he entered office. He was in his seven, early 70s. Uh, you can think about that for a while. Elder said Obama, as a black person, had a smaller barrier than these three white politicians. So he said, conversations right now when racism has never been a less significant problem in America is mind-boggling. In other words, he told these Democrats on this committee, he said, what are you guys thinking? He said, we've never been better off, we blacks, in America than we are right now. Why are you doing this? 1964, Martin Luther King told BBC, he said, when, he said that when a black person becomes president of the United States, we'll know we've reached a point where people have evaluated based on the content of their character rather than the color of their skin. Well, I think Obama's content of character is questionable, but he was right. And it was almost 40 40 years to the day that Barack Obama, half black, was elected president of the United States. It seems that the left is more committed to this struggle for equality than they are equality itself. When MLK made those remarks, they were not as well off then as they are now. Now, as Elder says, it's much better. Elder reminded the politicians of something his dad had told him. He told these guys it wasn't what they wanted to hear. They did not want to hear what he and Herschel Walker had to say on Wednesday. He said, I'm quoting, he said, I'm quoting my dad, and this is what his dad said. Quote, hard work wins. 
You get out of life what you put into it. You cannot control the outcome, but you are 100% in control of the effort. And before you complain, go to the nearest mirror and say to yourself, what could I have done to change the outcome? His father also said, I'm quoting, this is Larry Elder's dad, the Democrat Party was always trying to give people something for nothing. But when that happens, you almost always end up getting nothing for something. Well, he's right. The left has always claimed their virtue is rooted in helping minorities. The stranger, as Jim Wallace and his sojourners often refer to, and so on. They, the so-called Christian left, believe that they and they alone are the voice advocating for the minorities. And their voice of virtue is the arbiter of what is morally right and morally wrong in America. However, the outcome of the so-called progressive thinking has led to the suppression of minorities. Minorities would be better off, blacks in particular, but all minorities, perhaps if it were not for the left progressives who claim to be their virtue guardian. That's the problem we have. It, it is somewhat complicated and complex because it's so highly deceptive. They say they are one thing and they say they are for one thing, but they are working constantly to undermine the very values and foundations upon which they claim their virtue. And that's why we need to be very discerning and highly informed. The nothing for something that Larry Elder's father spoke of was promises for votes. Big promises, a bloated welfare state, bondage for those who became dependent on the state, neither freedom or choice. The left's ideology is a different kind of slavery, but it is slavery. Herschel Walker, he spoke at some length. He quoted his grandmother. He said, we use black power in America. This was not his grandmother. He said, we use black power in America to create white guilt. He said, my approach is biblical. Herschel Walker said, how can I ask my Heavenly Father to forgive me if I can't forgive my brother? Of course, that's quoting Jesus. Then he talked about his grandmother. He said, we should look. He said, my grandmother loves that she's an American. She's in her mid-80s. He said, we should look here. He said, many have died trying to get into America. He said, nobody's dying trying to get out. He said, think about that. And he said, where does the money come from? He said, does it come from all the other races except the black taxpayers? And he said, who is black? What percentage of black would be qualified black to get a check? What percentage, he said, should you be to get the check? And raised a lot of issues on that. But he said, my grandmother, mid-80s, 85, asked me to tell you this today. He said, she said, quote, I do not believe in reparations. Who is the money going to go to? Has anyone thought about paying the families who lost someone in the Civil War who fought for our freedom? Herschel said she compared it to giving a man a fish versus teaching him how to fish. I wish I had more time to talk about the religious left. We'll be talking about that because there is a growing sense in America today that we must we must get more religious and it runs parallel with the appeal of the Franklin Grahams and the Tony Perkins and the great evangelical voices in our country. It runs parallel to that, but it is really in conflict with that. While they claim to be virtuous, the left and the religious left, they completely enact and support politicians who enact the very things 
that the Bible stands against, abortion, uh, homosexuality, same-sex marriage, and all of the issues that the Bible is so clear about, they take a position for while claiming to be virtuous, the Pharisees of our day. Have a good weekend. I'll see you Monday.